Hello, welcome. It is so nice to be back after the two-week hiatus. This is Carson. I am so happy to be recording and giving you all Carson Sack Podcast, episode 15, and we're going to keep talking balls because that's what this podcast is for. I hope the holiday season was a great one for you. I hope you got to spend it with family, friends. And if Santa didn't bring you that special gift, maybe you left a little disappointed, do not worry. I, today, will be giving you the Sack Podcast, and hopefully that makes up for a little bit of the disappointment you were feeling when uh, you unwrapped your presents from under the Christmas tree. And for all the Jewish listeners out there, when uh, you got your presents out from under the menorah, um, I hope this podcast, this episode, uh, treats the little bit of letdown y'all had for that as well. Today on the show, we got a lot of usual balls, a lot of usual suspects. Really looking forward to telling you all, talking about the college football bowls that happened and are coming up. We're now kind of in the good bowl season, if that makes any sense. The ones up to kind of this point have been a little bit of no-namers, little weird bowl names, things like that. Now they're starting to pick up in importance, so going to look at that. Going to also talk NFL. Playoff picture is coming together beautifully. There's still a little bit of things Left to be determined, some seeding and who could maybe clinch and get in. So going to look at that. And then also, there are a few big games in the college basketball world since I last talked to you all. And I'm going to review and talk about some of those. Also, we might get into a little bit of NBA talk, talk about the games that were on Christmas Day, look ahead, see how some injuries are going to affect some teams. But if we don't get to it today, it's not that big of a deal because it is just December, and some people say the season is just now officially started after Christmas Day. So we'll see how the show's going, see how we are with time, and if we get to NBA stuff, we'll get to it. If not, no big deal. As we normally do here on the SAC Podcast, First thing I want to talk about and get into is college football. I want to talk to you all about some of the bowls and some news and noteworthy things that have happened so far in the bowl games for college football. First one to look at, not very exciting game, but the Houston Cougars went and played San Diego State University, and San Diego State won this one pretty easily, 34-10. The big news in this one, though, Donnell Pumphrey, the running back for San Diego State, finished with 115 yards and passed former Wisconsin star Ron Dane's mark of 6,397 yards in a career rushing, which is very impressive. Uh, Pumphrey is now the all-time leading rusher in college football, but another thing that you have to think about, which not a lot of people have talked about, Ron Dane's stats did not include bowl games so there are certain things where Dane is still the leading rusher with if you don't count bowl games Pumphrey is if you count the bowl games it's all just up in the air either way Ron Dane incredible career and then uh, Donnell Pumphrey incredible career I don't think anybody is going to argue that if you want to be a stickler about it yes uh, Ron Dane did have more career yards if you count bowl games but the statistics men didn't count bowl games up until the BCS and that's just how it is and I think we have to deal with that like I said though both two incredible careers hats off to both men 
Another game of importance, kind of because of off-field issues, was Minnesota playing Washington State. Minnesota players, after the suspension of 10 of their teammates, they were on strike. They weren't going to practice. They weren't going to play in this bowl until they got the call from the school overturned. Ultimately, it didn't get overturned, and I think some uh, politics behind closed doors were done, and the players did decide to practice and play. Minnesota was able to slow down uh, the quarterback for Washington State, Falk, and Mike Leach's high-powered offense that he's had all year. Washington State was only able to put up 12 points, which is very out of character for them. Minnesota does come out on top in this one, 17-12. Big story, though, how is Minnesota, the school and the athletic department, going to handle the suspensions or the um, release suspensions of those 10 players that they had suspended previously that the team was going to be prepared to sit out practices and games for. In the end, though, despite not practicing for a week and a half, just about, Minnesota wins this one 17-12 over the Cougars from Washington State. Those are about the only two big, real headlines you have from the bowl game so far. So now we get to look ahead to certain bowls that I can't wait to tell you all about. Now, normally, when I do my predictions and breakdowns, I don't do it against the spread, but in the season of bowls, and because I'm feeling a little generous, I'm going to pick these next games against the spread and hopefully make you all a little money to start the new year. First game goes live on Thursday, December 29th, in the Valero Alamo Bowl. You got the 12th ranked. Oklahoma State Cowboys against the 10th ranked Colorado Buffaloes. Colorado is a three-point favorite. Oklahoma State's offense has been explosive all year, and if you look at it, they really should have one loss uh, taken off the record because of that Central Michigan um, Hail Mary pass that didn't really count, but they counted it anyway. Colorado, their defense all year has what has uh, kept them in games, especially the Michigan game earlier on in the year. Colorado's last game they played, though, was the Pac-12 championship game where Washington exposed a little bit of their weaknesses, getting uh, speed on the outside, which Oklahoma State does have. I'm going to take Oklahoma State in this one to cover the Colorado minus three. I just like what the uh, Cowboys have on offense, and I think their defense, while it's not the best in the country, far from it, actually. But I think in the big moments when they need to make a play, I think they're going to be able to. So I'll take Oklahoma State in this one. The next game we get to look at, it's the Liberty Bowl between Georgia and TCU. At the beginning of the year, yes, I know, this shows maybe a little bit of my accuracy on picks sometimes. I did pick TCU to be in the national championship game and win it just because I didn't want to be a homer and say Ohio State, but I did pick TCU, and they're sitting at 6-6 six and six right now. Need this win to finish above 500 on the year. Right now the line is even. Georgia, Kirby Smart, his first year there, 7-5. and five. Okay, I guess, especially in the SEC for a first-year coach. Once he gets his guys in there, I think he's going to be a little bit better as a coach and as a team for Georgia itself. Right now, Georgia's sitting, I think, in the top two or three with recruiting classes for 2017. So Kirby's getting his players and getting a lot of good players to at least look at Georgia. This game, though, even spread, I'm going to take TCU. I think Kenny Trill Hill goes out on top as a winner in his last game. 
in his college career. I hope so, because the fall from grace TCU has had, it's be a nice little moral victory for them to win this last bowl game of the year. The next game, you get the Hyundai Sun Bowl between the 18th-ranked Stanford Cardinals sitting at 9-3 and and then the North Carolina Tar Heels at 8-4. and Stanford right now is a two-and-a-half-point favorite. I'm going North Carolina all the way. I really like what their quarterback does with uh, how Trubisky, he's just very consistent. He has 3,500 yards on the season, 28 touchdowns, and only four interceptions, which is pretty big because one, for every seven touchdown passes he throws, he's throwing an interception, and that's big, not turning the ball over. Also, you got to think McCaffrey not playing for Stanford is going to affect the game very much. He's the most dynamic player, I feel like, in the NCAA, and for him not to be there in the bowl game, it's... A little disappointing. We're going to talk, I'm going to talk a little bit more about players sitting out bowl games and whatnot after I preview all of these, but I think him not playing the game is enough of a reason, and North Carolina being able to take care of the ball. Also, really love a player on North Carolina, Schwitzer, number three, a little Wes Welker lookalike. People are giving McCaffrey all this hype about being a great kind of Wes Welker type player at the next level. Switzer is a very good slot receiver, very good punt returner, really looking out for him. I wish we could have seen a McCaffrey-Switzer battle because they're both built the same, very athletic, very fast, very white. But as I said, I'm going to take North Carolina in this one. The next game is the Franklin American Mortgage Music City Bowl. Try saying that five times fast. You got Nebraska sitting at 9-3, and three, going up against the 21st-ranked Tennessee Vols. Tennessee's a 6.5-point favorite. If Nebraska's quarterback, Armstrong, can play, I really like Nebraska in this. But on the other hand, Tennessee has been injured all year. Their offensive line has been banged up, rotating in and out. I think they had either the first or second most offensive line rotations, different starting lineups in the SEC. So that's pretty critical in the SEC and in the nation just to have um, consistency and whatnot up front. If Tennessee, I think the extended period of time they've had to get healthy and whatnot could play a factor into this, but I just don't think... Josh Dobbs, and they lost Jalen Hurd, uh, a transfer and whatnot. I like Nebraska in this to cover, maybe not win, but I don't think Tennessee is going to be healthy enough and all that to to beat them by seven points. So I'm going to take the Cornhuskers in this one, especially if uh, Nebraska's quarterback Armstrong can play. If he's playing, I really like their chances to just straight up win the game. Moving on down the slate of bowl games, you got the Capital One Orange Bowl. It's taking place Friday, December 30th. You got the 6th ranked Michigan Wolverines, 10 and 2 on the year, against the 11th ranked Florida State Seminoles, 9 and 3. Michigan's a six and a half point favorite. As much as it pains me to say this, I'm going to take Michigan to cover. I hate that I have to root for Michigan now because of that. I just think Francois for Florida State, the freshman who pretty much isn't a freshman now. I just think the defense is gonna from Michigan is going to rattle him. They rattled TJ, JT Barrett at Ohio State a little bit. Harbaugh, all this time off, I understand he's not really a defensive mastermind, but he's going to have the boys ready to play, especially after what some could call a controversial loss to Ohio State. But another big thing to look at, uh, William Spate, 
He was injured a little bit, not 100% when he played Ohio State, but now this extended time off. He's a great quarterback, I feel like, for Michigan. I understand Florida State's defensive line is very good, and they can get off get after quarterbacks very well, but I just like what he does on offense on the quarterback side of things. Harbaugh, like I said, is going to have the guys ready to play. Very energetic, and I don't think Jimbo Fisher won't have the Seminoles ready to play. I just think Michigan, in the end, wins this game, covers the spread. Wolverines, better team on this day. Now, before I get to the college football playoffs and the Bulls there, I'm going to talk about two hometown games, some real close-to-the-heart games. First one, Georgia Tech, 8-4, and four, playing Kentucky, 7-5 and five, in the Tax Layer Bowl, a.k.a. the Gator Bowl, a.k.a. if you called it the Gator Bowl, it had a lot more prestige than the Tax Layer Bowl. The line right now on this one is Georgia Tech, favored by 3.5, it's a homer pick. I really don't care. I'm taking Kentucky. I think Boom Williams, Benny Snell, and uh, Steven Johnson are just going to be too much for Georgia Tech. Kentucky's had about a month and a half to prepare for the option offense that Georgia Tech runs. Do I expect them to stop it? No, but if you shoot for the moon, you might land on a star. So maybe UK goes in there and says, we're going to stop it, and they end up just slowing it down. And I think they slow it down enough where... Kentucky probably is going to need to put up 28 to 35 points, and I think Georgia Tech just doesn't put up that many. And I'm going to take Kentucky in this one to close out a very roller coaster year at the start of the year, very down, 0 and 2 on the year. But hey, look at the Cats now. They're riding high. They're going to be riding off into the uh, Jacksonville sunset, I believe. Just with a victory in the Tax Slayer Bowl, coming back to the Bluegrass State Bowl winners. The next hometown game, you got the 20th ranked LSU Tigers sitting at 7-4 and four on the year. Going against the 13th ranked Louisville Cardinals in the Buffalo Wild Wings Citrus Bowl. And I can only hope to God whatever team wins, this gets a year free of B-Dub's wings. If not a life supply, that's what my hope would be. That's what I want out of this game. But in the end, I'm going to take U of L in this one. I think Lamar Jackson comes out, has a really big day. LSU is going to need to rely heavily on their run game. Leonard Fournette not going to be there. So there's that. But LSU's other running back besides Fournette, it's spelled G-U-I-C-E. I've not heard it said, so I'm going to say Juice. He runs so hard. I've watched a little bit of film on him. He runs angry all the time. He's got over 1,200 yards. He has 14 touchdowns. I really like how he runs the ball. U of L's defense, though, all year has been overlooked a little bit. They are just very good, physical, fly to the ball defense. I don't think they're able to stop him, maybe slow him down. I'll say Juice has two touchdowns on the day, but I feel like Lamar is going to have one of those four, five touchdown days and just really solidify him winning the Heisman and closing out what UofL fans will call a success of a year. I think if they win this game, it's a success of a year. But if UofL doesn't, I would honestly call this year a disappointment. I understand Lamar Jackson kind of puts your all's program on the map, but... And I do understand he did win the Heisman, but 
to go from where you all thought you were going to be to the college football playoff and beating Florida State the way you all did at home to losing your last three games, that is a huge hit and a big loss of momentum for U of L. LSU is a three and a half point favorite. I'm taking the cards. I hope they prove me right. I don't wish any negative on them, but man, it would be a real loss of momentum if they end up losing their last three games of the year. Now, to the college football playoffs later that same day on the 31st, you got third ranked Ohio State. They're sitting at 11 and 1. Playing the second-ranked Clemson Tigers, sitting at 12-1. OSU is a three-point favorite. I'm going to make this very clear. I'm going to take Clemson, but I think Ohio State wins the game. Let me clarify again. I'm going to take Clemson in the bet, but I think Ohio State ultimately wins the game. I don't know the score. Don't ask me. All I can say is, if we get the ball to Curtis Samuel 20 times and 12 to 15 of those are on the outside where Clemson struggles a little bit with speed and physicality, which our receivers have in blocking and Curtis Samuel has in speed, I definitely think Ohio State has a great chance of winning this game. If we just run the ball with JT Barrett up the middle about 30 times, I'm going to be a little concerned. Clemson's defense thinks that JT Barrett can't throw the ball. Is he a little inaccurate at times? Yes. Does he struggle with the deep ball sometimes? Yes. But if you look at it, JT Barrett in the biggest of games has his biggest games. And what is this so far in his career? Probably his biggest game. So I'm expecting him to have his biggest game and lead the Buckeyes to a big win. Before that game, though, Washington, fourth in the country. They're at 12-1. and They play the first-ranked Alabama Crimson Tide, the Dark Empire. They're sitting at 13-0. and Alabama is a 14-point favorite. I'm taking the Huskies not only to cover but to win the game. I've been on Washington's bandwagon. Since I found out this matchup, everybody is going to go Alabama. I am strictly picking the Washington Huskies, so I have the possibility to say I told you so in the end. Do I really think Washington has a chance? Yes. Every team, when they play, has a 50-50 chance of winning. Either they do or they don't. The odds might be a little bit different, but the chances are always 50-50. Any given Saturday is the same Maybe it's their Saturday. Maybe the Huskies come out, feel so disrespected, so just slighted that they weren't even given a chance, that they come out, play so angry, and Alabama just has no answer for them. Everybody thinks Alabama is going to be able to dominate the front, the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. I don't think people are giving Washington's defensive line enough credit. They're very good at stopping the run and getting after the quarterback. Very good at that. I believe they have the most sacks in the Pac-12, which not a lot of people talk about. What I'm very interested to see is how Jake Browning, the freshman quarterback for Washington, who, again, biggest game of his career, is going to be able to go up against Alabama's defense. If he can have a solid game and not turn the ball over, Washington has a very good chance of pulling off this upset. So like I said, Alabama, 14-point favorite. I'm taking Washington not only to cover, but to win the game, setting up an Ohio State-Washington final. 
Before they get to play that championship game, though, there's some other bowl games. First one on January 2nd, a Monday. Auburn, 8-4 on the year, 14th in the country. Plays 10-2, 7th ranked in the country, Oklahoma. In the Sugar Bowl, Oklahoma's a 3-point favorite. I'm definitely going to take the Sooners. Baker Mayfield, D.D. Westbrook. Joe Mixon, who is a lot of talk of controversy right now because of his domestic violence case. If he plays in the game, I think Oklahoma just has too much firepower on offense for Auburn to slow down. And I'll take the Sooners in this one to cover and win the game. The next game you see on Monday, January 2nd, is 17th-ranked Florida at 8-4 against Iowa. 8-4 in the Outback Bowl. Florida's a three-point favorite. I will be 100% honest with you all. I don't know enough about either team. I'm going to go Iowa just because they're from the Big Ten, and this is a Big Ten SEC matchup. Um, I do know Iowa did upset Michigan at home in the regular season, and I do know Florida was up near the SEC East. They did win the SEC East. I apologize. Does that say a lot about them? No, because SEC East was very down this year. Simply put, Florida, three-and-a-half, three-point favor, not three-and-a-half. I'll go with Iowa to cover. Now, this next game is one that I personally am very excited for. 15th-ranked Western Michigan, 13-0, going up against the 8th-ranked Wisconsin Badgers. They're sitting at 10-3 in the Cotton Bowl. Wisconsin's an eight-and-a-half-point favorite. Again, I'll get this straight. Western Michigan will cover. Wisconsin will win the game. Again, Western Michigan covers. Wisconsin wins the game. Also, another tidbit, my sources tell me, Carson, who are your sources? Who are your sources? I'm my sources. P.J. Fleck, if he has another good year, which, I mean, you can look at it how Tom Herman might have struggled a little bit this year, but he's still got a high-profile job for next year. I think that might happen to P.J. Fleck this next year at Western Michigan. But if Brian Kelly from Notre Dame struggles again this coming year like he did this past year, P.J. Fleck is going to be the Notre Dame head coach at the start of the 2018 season, and I'm willing to put any amount of money on that. Just a little tidbit there, but in the end, I think Wisconsin's defense slows down Western Michigan, and I think Wisconsin's run game is better than Western Michigan has seen all year. For that reason, like I said, Western Michigan covers, but Wisconsin in the end wins the game. And then the last game, the granddaddy of them all, the Rose Bowl, sees the ninth-ranked USC Trojans sitting at 9-3, and three, go to against the fifth-ranked Penn State Nittany Lions. They're at 11-2. and USC is a seven-point favorite. Penn State, from where they were a couple years ago to what they are now, James Franklin can be credited to for turning that whole program around. I'm taking the Nittany Lions. I don't even think it's going to be close. What I do think is going to be awesome to see, and he's finally going to get some eyes on him, is number two for the USC Trojans, Adoree Jackson. Only reason I knew about him coming into college was because I picked up some random recruiting magazine, and he was in it with... Uh, Haha, ha, Clinton Dix and D'Anthony Thomas and just a couple other guys. He was in it. 
was Adoree Jackson. And ever since then, because of his name, I thought he was cool and going to be a good player. And it turns out he's a great player. He's probably going to be playing on Sundays. He plays cornerback, plays wide receiver a little bit, returns. Honestly, he's a better Jabril Peppers, if we're being honest. I'm really excited to see how well he plays, how much of an impact he can have on the game, see if he can put up some big numbers when a lot of eyes are going to be on him. Probably a few NFL scouts will be in attendance as well. I really hope he has a good game for his NFL future and his career. But in the end, USC is seven-point favorite. little too much for me. I'm going to take Penn State to cover and win the game. That wraps up the college football talk. So far on this episode for the Bulls and whatnot, next week going to have some reactions to what happened this weekend, especially in the college football playoffs. Can't wait to talk about that. But now, as always, as we do on the Carson Sack Podcast, we move from college football to the men that get paid, or at least the ones that we know get paid. We're going to talk some NFL. In what is quickly becoming a fan favorite segment on each Carson Sack podcast, it is now time for the previous week's NFL Rapid Fire Recap. First game, boom. You stay classy, San Diego, along with the Chargers, Ron Burgundy tried to say, but Veronica Corningstone must have been the head coach for the Browns this week because she says... Fuck you, San Diego, as the Browns get their first win of the year over the Chargers, 20-17. Next game, boom, while Rex Ryan may look like he was a contestant on The Biggest Loser, the Bills were the biggest loser this weekend. The Dolphins clinch a playoff spot in overtime, 34-31. Also the biggest losers, the Buffalo Bills, for firing Rex Ryan and Rob Ryan. Really? Really, Buffalo? You are the biggest loser. Goodbye. Next game, boom, Cardinals, Seahawks, Battle of the Birds, Uh uh-huh, the Cardinals flew south and that's where they're going to stay because they have no chance of making their way to the playoffs, although they do beat the Seahawks on this weekend, 34-31. Next game, boom, discount double, hey, check out the Packers, they're on a three-game winning streak, sitting atop of the NFC North and they just keep building up on their wins beating the Vikings 38-25 this past weekend. Next game, boom. Oh, it's Mr. Steel, your division. Because that's what the Steelers just did to the Ravens. Ravens had a division lead of two games a couple weeks ago, but the Steelers wind up winning the AFC North 31-27, eliminating the Ravens from playoff contention. Next game, boom. The defending champs were made like the defending chumps. Sorry, that's the best I could do. The Chiefs beat the Broncos 33-10, once again eliminating the Broncos from playoff contention. Last game, boom! Dez caught it, Dez threw it, and the Lions blew it. Setting up a huge winner-take-all game between the Packers and the Lions next week because this week the Cowboys double up the Lions 42-21. That's that for the Rapid Fire Recap, and my goodness, I hope you all are excited about that as I was to do that. Felt good to get back in the swing of things with that Rapid Fire Recap. Now that we took care of last week's we get to look ahead to some very important matchups for playoff seeding and playoff contentions this coming week in the NFL. Let's do it.
Alright, so one of the first, maybe not the biggest game to look at, but seeding-wise, it'll be pretty important. The Patriots and the Dolphins. Dolphins are in. Matt Moore has played incredible since taking over for the injured Ryan Tannehill. Tannehill could be back in time for the first playoff game, but the way Matt Moore is playing, do you really want him back, Dolphin fans? I certainly wouldn't. Chiefs are in contention right now for the number one spot along with the Raiders. If the Patriots win this game, it's theirs. They get a bye. They get home field. Obviously, the the uh, road to the Super Bowl through the AFC has, for the past, I think, five years run through Foxborough. The Patriots would love to keep that up. This one, though, I think Bill Belichick realizes that they're going to have home field and the bye already kind of wrapped up. Maybe he rests his starters a little bit. I'll take the Dolphins to keep it close, but I think the Patriots win this one pretty convincingly at the start of the second half. And just to clarify that, I mean, the game will be close. Maybe Bill takes his team, his starters out at the second half, but if he doesn't, once the second half starts, it might be close, but after that, Patriots are going to run away with it. Another important game to look at, the Giants and the Redskins. Right now, the Giants are already in. That's no problem. But the Redskins need to have this game. They need to win it to have a chance at making the playoffs. I think just because of the scenario and the situation, the Redskins are going to be playing like there is no tomorrow because there is no tomorrow if they lose this game. And I like the Redskins to win this one because the Giants are probably going to rest their stars a little bit. Redskins. Redskins find a way to pull it out. And then, this is really only the other important game of the weekend. The Packers and the Lions, both teams 9-6, both fighting for a playoff spot. NFC North is up for grabs. I really like the Lions. I just don't like Aaron Rodgers as a guy or a player. He called it that they would win out. I really don't want them to. I don't really like Mike McCarthy either. I'm rolling with the Lions, but honestly, it really wouldn't surprise me if the Packers just came out and blew the Lions right out of the water. My pick, though, the Lions, that's kind of a personal pick, but if I was betting with my head, I'd say the Packers. I know that kind of makes me seem a little wishy-washy like I'm picking both, but I'm picking the Lions. Let's get that straight. Moving on from football now, we get to talk a little NCAA basketball, and I love doing that. We all know that. One game that was very big that I didn't really cover two weeks ago, which I should have, but I messed up. I'm sorry, guys, was the UK U of L basketball game. Obviously, hopefully, you watched it. It was a great game. U of L came out on top 73 to 70. It was a great game. Quentin Snyder, hometown hero. Career-high 22 points from Louisville really helped UofL step up their game, win this game. Malik Monk used up, I guess, all his three-pointers, except a very crucial three-pointer at the end of the game against UNC in that 47-point display. Only hit one three-pointer, one of eight, in the game. This was Kentucky's first true road game on the year. It was all freshmen, pretty much. Isaiah Briscoe, the sophomore leader, didn't really show up. I kind of felt that way. Some encouraging things for UK fans. Bam Adebayo really came out, showed how physical he could be and a presence he could be down in the post. I really like that. Malik Monk had a good game. Despite only being one of eight, he was able to influence the game a little bit in other areas. Darren Fox consistently has good games. I really like him a lot. What is concerning, though, for UK fans 
if Monk isn't hitting outside shots, there's a bit of a lack of outside shooting that happens, but Fox and Adebayo didn't seem like they were ready to take over the game and be that number one option when Monk clearly didn't have it that game, and that's a little upsetting and disappointing. I don't know if it was just Calipari trying to force things for Monk or if both of them just didn't have the confidence, I guess, in themselves. I don't think a lack of confidence, just a lack of maybe trust in each other and themselves a little bit. It's a little concerning because Monk's not going to have it some games and you're going to need other players to step up. You would have liked to seen Willis step up, hit a few three-pointers, maybe Briscoe, Fox if you're lucky as a UK fan. Michael Mulder did hit a couple three-pointers. He got some valuable playing minutes. I'm happy to see that. But some things to work on, but also some things to be encouraged about. Also, dang Adele for you, Avell. He stepped up and had a big game. And you love to see Quentin Snyder, the hometown guy from Ballard High School, have a big game in a very big game between in-state rivals. Also, Raymond Spalding, another uh, Louisville kid, had came off the bench, started a good amount of games last year, came off the bench in this one, and contributed and made his impact felt right away. I think he played... Um, I don't know how many minutes he played in the entire game, but right off the bat, I think he had around five or seven rebounds within the first 10 minutes he was playing, and that's just good productivity. Both teams, I like them a lot, especially come March. Rick Pitino always has his guys ready to go come March, and Calipari, if he can just get the young team growing a little bit more and just trusting each other and playing their style of ball, I think they'll be all right too. Moving on into the college basketball world. Conference play opens up this week. So all the out-of-conference games are pretty much done. It's pretty exciting now because college basketball season is going to ramp up a little bit. One big game. I just talked about them. They have a big game tonight. Virginia, 12th in the country, comes to the 6th-ranked Louisville Cardinals. Virginia, 10-1. Louisville, 11-1. Louisville, a three-point favorite. If Louisville can continue the success and ride the momentum they got from the UK game and Snyder plays half as well as he did and Dang Adele plays as well as he did, I don't think UVA, Virginia, is going to be able to slow them down enough the way Virginia likes to with their opponents. Kind of get teams into a half-court offense, a real dogfight of a game is what Virginia likes to have happen. I don't see it happening. I like Louisville in this game, especially it being in the Yum Center. I guess this is just the U of L segment because looking at matchups and whatnot, the next big game in college basketball, and I guess especially for the city of Louisville, you got the sixth ranked Louisville Cardinals as of right now, depending on what happens against Virginia. They're going to go to Indianapolis or maybe to Indiana. I'm not 100% sure where the game is to face the 16th ranked Indiana Hoosiers, who's sitting at 10 and 2. Um, Indiana is my national championship pick, so obviously I'm going to go with the Hoosiers. That day, it's this Saturday, the 31st, that's going to be a action-packed day for the state of Kentucky. You have both bowl games for Louisville and Kentucky happening at the same time, and then 30 minutes later, Louisville plays Indiana. It's going to be a great day to be a Kentucky sports fan and live in Kentucky. I can't wait. It's going to be a great day. Hope you're looking forward to it just as much as we are here in the great Bluegrass State. That wraps up the college basketball talk, and I said I'd talk about NBA a little bit, so here it is. 
pretty much the only game I watched on Christmas of the NBA season was the Cavaliers versus the Warriors. Obviously, the Cavs won that game. Kyrie Irving hits a big shot at the end. KD doesn't get a call. You're not going to get that type of call in Cleveland. It just It's not going to happen, KD. I'm sorry. KD is becoming a lot more outspoken with his thoughts, which I do like a little bit. I don't know if that's just a newfound confidence for being on the Warriors or if he's just embracing the villain role a little bit. I like how LeBron did come out and he made his impact felt. He was shooting the ball real well. I think at one point on four possessions, he was three for four behind the three-point line. But I like how LeBron, he's not deferring to Kyrie, but he's making it known that he trusts Kyrie in late-game situations, and that's nice to have two threats on a team at the end of the game because then they just can't single in on one player. And honestly, Kevin Love, I'd trust him with a game-winning three in the playoffs. That's just me, though. Another thing to look at for the Cavs, I know this is going to be pretty much Cavs-heavy. J.R. Smith is out about three months with a broken finger. That's all right. I mean, Cavs will still probably be number one seed in the East. Just rest his legs, get him healthy for the playoffs. That's all I could say pretty much. Right now, Russell Westbrook, still my MVP. James Harden, still second. Third, I'm going to take Giannis Akatapuko because he's having a good year pretty quietly up in Milwaukee. And then Carl Anthony Towns, he's having a good year. Anthony Davis, right now it's just so early. Obviously the two front runners, Russell Westbrook and James Harden. But right now, that's about it for NBA. And that's that, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for listening to the 15th episode. Can you believe 15 episodes of Carson Sack Podcast where we talk balls? Again, your support means so much to me. Thank you all for helping this get in front of as many people's eyes and hopefully in turn getting it in as many people's ears as possible. I can't wait to give you another one of these next week. I didn't have my mic this week. Hopefully the sound quality is isn't too bad on this week's next week i hopefully will have it for you all i hope if you felt a little disappointed with your gifts this holiday season this sack podcast was a little bit of a cheer up for you i hope you enjoyed it and as always we will be seeing you